Rich, uh, which Fred are you today? Are you San Siro away second leg Europa League, Fred, or away to Leicester in the FA Cup quarterfinal today, Fred? I, I'm I'm still feeling fairly positive, so I'm choosing to channel second half in the San Siro, Fred, at this moment. And how would you feel about uh, all the fans who tell you you're talking rubbish and you should be selecting the Leicester one after today's awful 3-1 defeat to Leicester? I, I would say that they're entitled to their opinion, but I think some of the immediate reaction to today's defeat has been a little melodramatic in my well that humble is interesting in your humble opinion yes. well that is very interesting an opinion we will unpack in due course but before we do all that hello everyone welcome to this week's episode of red voices thank you very much for being with us this week as usual you've got me you and Lennon and him richard cannon's plenty to discuss we're going to start off with a one nil victory away at the san siro as mentioned in the last 16 of the europa league there's a fortunate defeat for manchester united women some news on the under 18s and under 23s and this afternoon's 3-1 defeat away to leicester city which have put paid to our fa cup hopes for another year but before all that richard how are we doing i'm all right i'm all right i'm better than most it would appear um mm. how are you um i think I'm trying to remain consistent. I said to you before the game started that with the way that the game could go and the, the result that we could be expecting and potential of getting knocked out by Leicester, I wasn't going to be too disappointed um, purely because we managed to get through against AC Milan and have got a favourable draw in the quarterfinal. So I'm trying to stay consistent with that opinion. Although, given the way that game went and the frustrations that we had across 90 minutes, finding that quite difficult. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but... I think I think a lot of a lot of what you saw today is as a result of what's come before, and there, you know there were certainly a lot of individually poor performances and and particular decisions that contributed today. But I think all of those were were shaped by the season and what's happened before it. And for me, I feel there's a little bit of mitigation there, even though it's really disappointing. Yeah, we'll come back to that in a little while. So let's start off with the uh, game over in Italy earlier on this past week. So United heading over to the San Siro for the first time since, oh gosh, what was it, 2010, if memory serves correctly, when uh, Wayne Rooney got two second half headers to put us 3-2 up in the first leg. Now obviously with uh, Kajar's late header at Old Trafford the week before, United needed to score in this game. And given a team that was set out, so a midfielder of McTominay Fred and the front four of James, Bruno, Rashford and Greenwood, it looked like there would be enough for United to try and trouble the host, but it took a while for us to really hit our stride, didn't it? Yeah, and I think a little bit of that was was due to the fact that Milan went into the game, but they were very cautious. You know, clearly they didn't have to score. They didn't have to score the first goal to go through. And I think that, that led to them being very conservative. And United put an awful lot of effort into that first half in terms of um, pressing and, and, and trying to to get territory and trying to make chances without actually managing to do so very well. And referring back to the aforementioned Fred, Fred had a bit of a um, flaky first half and people laugh at me and perhaps I'm, I am completely mad. But for me, Fred is almost the most important player in this United team, not in terms of him being the best player or into indeed in terms of him being adequate on, on particular days or overall. But everything United do revolves around winning the ball back in dangerous positions, getting it forward really quickly and letting Bruno and Rashford and whoever else do their do their stuff. Fred will always press very high very hard. He'll always press high, he'll always win a lot of balls. But you saw in the first half that his his passing can be extremely flaky in tight areas. That was kind of the wasteful Fred um in that first half that and when 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 he's not doing the job that's required of him then the whole I think the whole team suffers no, I disagree with that I think the uh, the lack of fluency in that first half was 
I mean, can, could you really be that surprised by it? You know, Bruno being backed up by McTominay and Fred worked to a certain degree without Pogba towards the, you know, in the, in the pre-COVID times of last season. But it was fits and starts to a certain degree, wasn't it? You know, it wasn't particularly yeah. fluid at any point. We struggled to really be particularly useful on the ball. Yeah, there were a couple of decent moments. I mean, Dan James unfortunately a large culprit for just not squaring to Mason Greenwood when running through the defence I don't know what he's thinking he's trying to take his man on just gets pushed off the ball the easy decision would have been to play Mason in, and there's a good chance of getting an away goal there but regardless you know it, it wasn't necessarily a particularly heartening first half display I guess it's the fact a that penalty that that challenge was probably a pe- if you watch you back it, it looks like a penalty I mean I appreciate he should have made the pass um, mm. so Dan James is at fault for us not creating a chance there but the actual challenge I think probably should have been a penalty but that was about as good as it got for United in that in that first half really yeah and I guess if that's the only thing you can look at and have a bit of a problem with and that's that kind of tells its own story doesn't it so then when Rashford comes off for Pogba at the start of the second half I mean admittedly Rashford having to come off at any point is hardly ideal considering that even if when he's not playing well he still offers us something the fact that Pogba came on and looked so effective and slotted back into the side even on the left side of that midfield as well which is not somewhere he's typically been playing that much this season that was incredibly heartening and the way he took the goal just, I mean, Milan just didn't clear their lines at any point, did they? Fred was harassing everyone in the box, managed to get the ball, somehow it squirts out to Pogba. I think, does that count as a Bruno assist, even though basically he did nothing in that entire thing? He does have, a Bruno does have a few assists like that, doesn't he? He'll play a pass that's, that's relatively simple in a relatively non-dangerous area. Although in, case, in that case, it was just kind of like a, it was it, that was basically pinball football, wasn't it? In the, in the lead up to that goal but yeah and it was just a, a really composed finish by Pogba it reminded me of Martial yeah, against really Watford good. last season lovely piece of skill and just basically floats it past Onoruma and uh, I mean the the real flashpoint moment was that deep cross towards Ibrahimovic once Latin comes on in the second half really wasn't it and then Dean Henderson thankfully mm. it was pretty much right at him and it's just a case of Henderson reacting quick enough to make sure he can push it away up and over the bar and he did that if you look at, if you look over the two legs Milan were quite clearly by far the better team in the first leg and, and they should have had that goal from Kessie as well as the, the header but really over the over the two legs I think Henderson only really had to make had to make one save well aside from the Kiar one which he should have saved he only had to make one one real save against from Ibrahimovic in that second leg United came out completely differently in the second half so much better everything was more fluid they were a lot more positive and, and Fred was suddenly doing what he was supposed to do, which was winning the ball back and passing it to to other people in the same card shirt as him. United, but I think much the much the better team. And even when even when Milan had to risk a bit more, we really didn't give them much of a much of a sniff of goal. Yeah, I mean, I think that was the encouraging thing over, especially the fact that we were playing away from home. You know, United have typically been better when we've been away from Old Trafford, regardless. But yeah. I felt like despite the fact we weren't particularly fluid we weren't necessarily troubled all that much you know again the transition from defending to quick counter-attacks wasn't necessarily there and I think we lacked a little bit of guile or craft to really get beyond Milan at those times but especially as the second half wore on as the time wore down I thought United actually managed the game quite well you know I don't think we got caught out to on too many occasions and the the usefulness of having lads like McTominay towards the end doing that massive run just trying to run it into the corner and then drawing up a foul it was moments like that that I feel like we've been missing in games where it's been particularly tight so it was good to see us just 
make those response make those actions in those sort of instances so that was pleasing and considering as well you know to have gotten to have gone away to italy given the fact that milan have actually had a pretty decent season by their admittedly low standards over the last 10 years or so having seen who we could have drawn I don't think United really couldn't have got a better draw. You know, no, it's just, well, I guess some disrespect to Granada. But if you look at their position in the Liga and their results over the half of the last couple of months, that's probably the kindest draw United could have gotten, really, isn't it? Yeah, I think when you get to this stage, nobody's an idiot. You know, no, no teams are no teams are a walkover. One of the things I said before the before the last round is that draw, United drawing Milan was pretty much the worst thing that could have happened, and I think that that probably rang true in the previous round as well against Sociedad and United have had to face what I would say were probably the two best teams in the tournament um, left in the tournament at that point that not called us you know we, we we ended up with 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 another game in Milan where we had to really fly at it and we've seen how how tired Fernandez is you know we've had Oli's obviously seen how tired some of the key players are getting and, and sort of rotated today so it, it is of benefit to us that we've got one of the softer draws that we could have got in 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 the next round, and the semi will be a a decent game again against against Roma and or uh, or Ajax. But in terms of Granada, you know, if United turn up over two legs, they should be winning that game. And you would hope and think that Oli could probably make a few changes and still manage to get us over the line. Yeah, I mean, I guess in the context of today's game in particular, the fact that we're still in the Europa League quarterfinals becomes even more important. And I think if we'll talk a little bit more a little bit later on about the importance of trophies. I and mean, we spoke a bit about this last week in terms of how this season may pan out. I think the fact that we're still in European competition alongside top four brings its own perils you know we've spoken plenty about the difficulties in marrying up those two competitions simultaneously especially considering that we'll still have five more games left of uh, European competition if we're going to win in uh, is it Minsk it's in this year or Gdansk uh I do you know I don't even know where it is terrible so work your, Richard I'll your, find out at some your point skill is better than mine yeah I, I don't really think about these things when we get there Oh, fair enough. Well, regardless, you know, to get through uh, to the semi-final against either Ajax or Roma, I mean, again, I don't expect us to turn over either one of those two teams lightly should we no. make our way past Granada. But I think in particular, the fact that we got through against Milan is not insignificant. And I do think whilst, you know, especially having been knocked out today, it's important that United chuck a lot into this competition now to a certain degree, isn't it? Because mm. we will be coming up on a fourth anniversary since we last won a trophy which is Stockholm the Europa League final and sooner or later regardless of whether you not you whether or not you think Solskjaer is the right man for the job he does need to start convincing people not you know not necessarily the club to a certain degree but people outside you know we're talking fans players agents in particular that United aren't just scrapping and also runs. You know, once you start winning things again, or at least competing consistently for things, then you're going to start turning some heads. And at the minute, mm. we're not quite doing it. So I guess that that will, you know, that's something we'll talk about a little bit when we get back to the three one that we saw early on today, because that'll be fun. Uh, Rich yeah. under 18s and under 23s, and I'll hit off with the uh, women's match against Arsenal. Yes, the under 18s um, played Everton away. I think at the time Everton were fifth in the league. Um, United needed to win to go back top again um, and they did so comfortably with the 2-0 win which is pretty impressive they keep they keep churning out the wins because the number of absences throughout the academy um, at the moment is is beyond words we've got I don't know how many players out on loan we've got all those players out on loan so what and a number of injuries at under 23 level which has necessitated loads of the under 18s being 
um, pulled up 223s. And obviously the consequence of that is lots of the under 16s and below being pulled being pulled up to the under 18s. And I think we saw about three weeks ago the uh, the youngest ever debutant for the under 18s at the age of 14. Quite a, I think there were two or three 14 year olds, lots of 15 year olds in the squad. Um, this was a slightly more experienced squad, a few a few stronger players back, but but United won it pretty comfortably two 0 and have gone back to the top of the under eighteen league, which I think is probably the best guide of of out of the under twenty threes of the under eighteens as to as to the kind of quality that that United have in the academy at any given time. The under twenty threes change so much in terms of availability. Players quite often get pulled up from the under-23s to the first team even, um, or go out and loan, that it's it's difficult to use that as a barometer of of, of quality. But the under-18s particularly, with the, they've, they've been able to rotate an awful lot, um, and they still still came at, coming out with wins. The under-23s, unfortunately, lost to Tottenham um, in another appallingly refereed under-23 game, in which Hannibal Medjbury returned and got kicked all over the place um, <laughs> which is happening a lot this year it is it was also an infuriating game to watch because the camera mm. was basically a pitch level which hurts the brain but um united were comfortably second best had a player sent off it was just it was just a really really bad day at the office but for you know a very much changed and and weakened team so just one of those things i think that the under 23s considering they came up again last season considering the turnover of players are actually having a pretty solid season they're kind of mid-table in the under-23s now so you know once I think once they get to that stage it's it's more about development really than than actually winning winning the games whereas the under-18s I think there still is a, a sort of high degree of competitive interest to it and it's it, I think it's more important to do well at that level than it is to do at the under-23s so I say it every single time we talk about this but these are actually really quite exciting times at academy level we've got an awful lot of really interesting talented players you mentioned before before we recorded about you've had a number of those guys sign new contracts in the last uh, week to 10 days which is which is really really good for um for us and lots of united's lone players are doing really well i think james garner was man of the match for forest um this weekend um teddy mengi's getting games at derby and wayne rooney seems to be pretty happy with him we've actually got players out on loan who are who are actually doing well and it's, it's it's proving at the moment to be beneficial experience which is not hasn't always been the case with United loanees in recent recent times. And Langer, Mengi and Hannibal Medjury have all signed new deals longer term deals with the club as well which is great news for us and in particular you'll be agreeing in terms of their quality and the potential depth they could add to this United side in key areas at the minute. Considering that our midfield and defensive options were not necessarily at their best over the last couple of weeks, let's put it that way. Uh, so before we go to the break, a quick chat on United women who have carried on their rather indifferent form to the start of 2021 with a 2-0 defeat to Arsenal women on uh, Friday night. It was another tricky game, Rich. Uh, United, yeah. given their position, they're six points ahead of Arsenal in third place. Um with a game in hand, they needed to avoid defeat, and they started off in the worst possible way. They gave a, an own goal away. It was a Jewel Ruud who got uh, right in behind United's line and shot cannoned in off uh, Millie Turner. I think it was probably going wide and beyond Mary Earps. That was barely two minutes in, and 
the frustrating thing about that is despite having gone down so early, United had about two or three excellent chances to draw level and fluff the lines on every occasion. You know, wonderful crossing by Jackie Cronin, which Kristen Press went for when she probably could have left it for Lauren James, but sm- struck a defender. Lauren James played in by Cronin again and just shoot- shoots over the bar. Very uncharacteristic from her. And then a couple other opportunities here and there that United really should have done better in. And it was remarkable given the chances we created and how Arsenal had been keen to sit back to a certain degree on that 1-0 lead that we were going in one goal down in the second half. So going into the second half. And then, of course, it's United's kryptonite at various points this season is just set-piece delivery. And it was uh, Wobben Moy who got uh, Arsenal second from a long corner that went into the far post. United couldn't deal with it. 2-0 down, and even with Beth Mead getting a red card just after the hour mark, United had over half an hour to try and break down in, uh, Arsenal's defence and try and get back into the game. And the truth is that they rarely threatened. It's a frustrating... It's frustrating to see how United's season is uh, unfolding at the minute, especially considering that prior to the Christmas break, we hadn't lost a game in the league. We've now lost four out of our last six in the league. Now, admittedly, that is coming against three of the top teams in the land, but the manner of those defeats will be concerning to Casey Stoney and what United could potentially do next season. Missing out on Champions League, given where we were at the turn of the year, would be a huge blow. And there's obviously some mitigation in the fact that United have lost Leah Goldson potentially for the rest of the season. Ivana Fuso is now out for the season as well with another freak training ground accident. Tobin Heath's not back in. Uh, Alessia Russo as well, who was in great form for the first couple of months of the season, has is still not made a return. So United are missing a lot of players. But you can instantly turn back and say that despite all of those injuries, United should be doing better than they currently are. The chances that we're missing at the minute are not helping us by any stretch of the imagination. And if you look at the game against Reading a couple of weeks as well, it's exactly the same problem. Chances created, not scoring, not putting him away, and then watching Millie Turner and Amy Turner struggle to deal with long balls and defensive disorganisation. It's going to be interesting to see how United manage the rest of the season. I think there's about five games left for us to make sure that we stay above Arsenal. It's out of our hands now because we've got a vastly inferior goal difference to the other three teams around us. If United can win all the rest of their games, we've got a chance... It looks like if Arsenal just stay steady and win everything, that that's it and all we'll have been done with. And United will have to have a serious think about what happens next because I would imagine a couple of players will be thinking of moving on if Champions League football looks like it's beyond us. But there we go. Uh, it's still you know a, a good season in totality if you look at it. And there's still the FA Cup to come over the next couple of months. So hopefully United can do a, get a nice deep run in the cup competition to try and salvage a little bit of a season that promised a lot. But it doesn't look like it's going to be delivering all that much in the end. Anyway, before we get on to this afternoon's disaster class against Leicester, let's take a quick break. We have a small favour to ask, friends. If you're enjoying the show, please help spread the word. Leave a rating and a review on Apple Podcasts, Acast, or any podcast app you use. It's a small thing that helps shows like ours to move up podcast rankings and generate more listeners, and it would be hugely appreciated. Rich, 3-1 against Leicester out of the FA Cup. Now, at least we didn't get knocked out in the semi-final, but that's a bit of a cold comfort after today's game. Yes, I suppose I suppose it is. Um, although, having said that, I think we'd have been going some to uh, get knocked out by Southampton. It's it's a disappointing result. It's a disappointing result, but I don't think it's remotely surprising and think as a consequence of the nature of the season, the depth that we've gone into, in it, we've got to in all of our cup competitions, the strength of teams we've had to play in those cup competitions as well has just meant that we're getting to a point in the season, I think, where it's going to be, it's very difficult for us to, to put back-to-back good performances together or throw out exactly the same team for two games in a row because physically it's just not it's not workable and I think what we saw 
what we've what we've seen today is Oli trying to make a few changes because obviously he felt that um, some of his key players were kind of redlining and United coming up against the team who in in the space of the time that United have played the last five games they've only played two you know we just came up against an already very good team who who were just far fresher than us and obviously missing Rashford as well and I think it was just a game a game too far really. Yeah, uh, I'm as frustrating as large parts of that performance uh, certainly was. And given the amount of unforced errors, given the lack of focus at key occasions, it's difficult to argue with much of that, or indeed any of it. Um, I think I understand Ollie's desire to kind of freshen things up and give uh, Van der Beek a start, give Bruno a bit of a rest. I can und- I can see the thinking behind almost every decision he made in terms of that starting eleven, and I think what frustrates me more is that we weren't had we not committed such basic errors in the goals that we conceded, we could be talking about a different result because as we've constantly seen with United, even when we're not playing our most fluid football, we're still a goal threat, as was evidenced by the Greenwood equaliser. And if United can just start to cut out these basic errors a little bit more and start to improve their passing out from the back and that whether or not that is down to more training or improving personnel, then things are going to start looking brighter for us. But it's these errors that we keep talking about a lot that has been it's been pretty repetitive in the bigger games. And it's not necessarily going to change until we improve some of these players or do something on the training ground, as far as I'm concerned, because it's just something that keeps repeating itself you know i have been hesitant to say that our pressing has been getting better over the last few weeks we've been getting some signs of improvement but today i mean you talked about fred in terms of his performance in italy rich you know today one of the worst he's posted in the united shirt if not the very worst in terms of basic ability and passing on the ball and holding on to it and being incredibly lack of showing basically no resistance to the press it was a really difficult afternoon to basically watch him in any sort of degree. And I think the interesting thing as well, if we're going to talk about the way the game went, you look at the fact that uh, Leicester were missing the likes of Madison. Barnes was missing, Pereira was missing. There were a couple of really big players missing for that Leicester team today. And I think the difference was Rogers was able to, Brendan Rogers was able to set Leicester up in a, in a way that still got the best out of the players he had available. And in Ian Acho, he's got a player that's bang on form that's compensating for Vardy's lack of uh, sharpness in front of goal. United just don't have that at the minute and Solskjaer wasn't able to take the pieces that he had and make them into a coherent side. It's very difficult to know because obviously we don't know what sort of physical conditions some of the guys he rotated out are in. Fernandez has been, I think, pretty poor for a few weeks, hasn't he? I think I think we'd all agree on that. He hasn't been anywhere near his, his own high standards. Um, in recent games, so it, it didn't surprise me particularly that um, that he'd been rested. Um, I think he's always tried to be pretty careful with Shaw, but again, you know, he's he's probably our form player at the moment, and so if you leave him out, you're losing an awful lot of um, creativity on that right hand side, uh, and and you you have seen that, you know, Tellers just isn't at the same level. Although I don't think Tellers had a bad game, but he's he's clearly not at the same level. And you can say that in a few positions. I mean, you know, he clearly wanted to give McTominay a rest. But Matt Matic is a player who is never, in terms of his characteristics, would never have fit the system that Oli plays. But he's also a player with, with those characteristics who is clearly declining as well. And so as soon as you bring in Matic for anybody else, you lose an enormous amount of mobility. You lose qualities. You know, if you have McTominay, he's not the greatest passer in the world. 
but he's mobile and he'll get forward and cause a goal threat. You won't get that from Matic. Um, and I think it unbalances that, that, that those two in that midfield. And if you've got Matic in there and then Fred having having one of his um, calamities, then <laughs> it, it, it pretty much undermines absolutely everything else you, you're trying to do. But I think there were just too many, there were too many problems in that team today. You know, Oli gave Van Beek, Van Beek another game and Van Beek at United, just confuses me. He he appears to be the most pointless footballer I think I've ever seen in the United shirt, and that's, that, that's not a reflection on that's not a reflection on his ability wow. as a whole. I just mean in this team, in this form, in terms of what he's trying to do or, or not, he's almost just a lost shirt at the moment, isn't he? And, I, and I, I'm not writing. I'm certainly not writing Van Baker off. I'm certainly not saying he's a very not a very good very good player because he cl- he clearly is. But I don't think he has any concept of what he's meant to be doing in this in his role in this particular team and perhaps he needs a pre-season perhaps he needs a full pre-season where you know the coaches can work with him and and fully articulate what he what he needs to be doing and have some um have some friendly games to go through it because at the moment what's he offering yeah one of the big things about van der Beek, and i saw it about four or five times today is that he's not really keen on running with the ball is he you know he's constantly looking for the pass backwards as opposed he to he turns forward. back doesn't he yeah 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 i mean there was an op- option in the first half to pass the ball forward to fred he was running on beyond him and, and if fred's looking annoyed at you for not making the forward pass then you've got a massive problem yeah it is really frustrating isn't it and i, I mean I, he, we have to remember that he's he's grown up he's spent his entire career playing in the ix system where from the, the lowest age group up to the first team they play they, they play the same way they play with the same system a very technical passing based system and he's come to a club where everything is about getting the ball forward quickly getting moving quickly moving the ball very directly very vertically up the pitch to to your dangerous players and at the moment he just doesn't really seem equipped to do that and I don't know whether he can or not I mean it's really difficult because if 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 you're Ollie in the summer and you're thinking I need I need to get a player who I can use to back up Fernandez because he can't play every game. I'm not sure. I mean, I don't even think I've seen a midfielder in recent years that has the same qualities that Fernandez has or plays in the same in the same way with the same directness. But I, I, I do kind of wonder if that was the intention why we brought a guy who has been brought up playing football almost in the completely opposite way, mm. and and so we'll need a, a decent period of time to adapt to to, to, to this game. Um, I just feel sorry for Van Baker at the moment because he just looks a bit shell shocked, doesn't he? When he was coming off, on he, he gets subbed on the hour almost every game he plays. Um, it just looks like he's a bit baffled by by the whole experience. <laughs> yeah, it, again, I'm, I'm in the same boat as you. I'm not willing to write him off just yet, but I did find myself frustrated with his use of the ball today. And given that there's clearly a player in there, and we've seen that on a couple of occasions in fits and starts this season, and we know from his time at Ajax that there's a good player in there, to see him so inhibited and so unsure of himself when it comes to using the ball and either passing it quickly or looking around for options is really surprising and especially in a team that was struggling as it was with Fred you know overwhelmed frequently and looking a little bit gassed with Matic being the man Matic and with Pogba struggling a little bit out on the left you know there were a couple of occasions where he and Greenwood or at least he and van der Beek seemed to switch over you know Greenwood wasn't in the game Martial wasn't in the game and the 4-2-3-1 basically meant that United were isolating their striker and not and the protection in front of the back four was non-existent. And that's where the goal comes from, isn't it? It's mm. United trying to pass out from the back. Now, as poor as Fred's touch was, I think Maguire deserves a little bit of a helping of the blame there, for, purely for passing it out when he can see Tillemans is right behind Fred. 
in that yeah. sort of situation, considering that you've just seen Fred give the ball away twice in the space of 10 minutes in bad areas and Leicester had almost pounced and at least forced Henderson into a save or two, that was a poor decision. Now, in, uh, Henderson, I don't think, was at fault for any of the goals today and Indianacho just rounds in pretty easily after the poor touch from Fred and that's 1-0. And I guess the only saving grace from that half was that United didn't have to do necessarily all that much in terms of chance creation to pull themselves level. Good goal for Mason Greenwood, good work from Pogba, step over by van der Beek and a great finish. Yeah, it was a really good goal, wasn't it? Um, probably the one real piece of quality that United produced in that, in that first half, um, or arguably all game, actually. Yeah, it was it was just a really really lovely goal, and it was it was I think it was good to to see Greenwood get back on the on the score sheet because I think that he'd only got one in twenty odd games, hadn't he? So so in terms of his confidence, I think that was quite that was quite important. And United probably didn't really deserve to be back in the game at that point, but it, once they had got back in, you thought maybe they'd perhaps kick on a bit, but it just didn't really happen. And going into the second half in particular, now if we're going to talk about Solskjaer's uh, abilities going forward in terms of managing United, and again, I want to stress that I don't think unless Ole drops out of Europe to Granada and then drops out of the top four subsequently, his job's not really under any serious threat. I think one of the moments that sticks out in my mind is that we saw in the first 45 minutes how much trouble Fred and Matic were in in terms of getting pressed and how little time they were getting on the ball. And not only that, how poor they were when they actually got the opportunity to pass out in terms of actually finding someone if they had a couple of metres of space. I think a better manager, or at least a manager with better options, is able to look at that situation and say, right, we can't run that risk again and makes a change at half-time as opposed to leaving it until the hour mark. Now, I know that Ole prefers to at least give his players a little bit of time to try and change things up, but I do wonder if that's one of the things that separates the top managers from a manager like Solskjaer in the sense that United didn't make a change, and what is it? Ian Atcho to Tillemans, Matic is left for dead, and Fred doesn't close his man down, and they just stand off him and stand off him. And Yuri Tillemans is so good at that exact goal. If you let him run at you, he's got a great strike, and he fired that in across Henderson. Again, the keeper with no chance, but a completely avoidable goal because our, our midfield was nowhere. And it's just moments like that, small moments where games can hinge. And when United went 2-1 down, you're expecting some kind of response, but... It's just those flashpoints where I just wonder, would a, another manager, a manager who's perceived at a higher level, take that situation and proactively change it as opposed to waiting for the error to happen? Yeah, I think that's reasonable. Um, you know, we've we've said that, you know, we've said over and over and over again that all his clear weaknesses is in-game management. And he has some games where he does seem to be proactive and then some games where he doesn't. Um, and he, he kind of did the classic the classic, you give them an hour, give them 15 minutes after half time to put it right kind of thing. Um, you know, sometimes... Oh, he loves giving them an hour. Loves it. Yeah, he does. Uh, I think he, I think there were some subs that had also kind of been pre-agreed before as well. I don't think he ever intended playing Pogba for for the whole game. But having And he just come back and then played, played 45 minutes in Milan as well. I think he clearly wanted to get Cavani back on. He, he clearly wanted to get those guys who were coming back from from injury some minutes didn't he but without without giving them too too many it is so difficult to know given we don't really know their 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 physical levels whether they're being handled right or not but i mean you're absolutely right i mean in the context of that game if those players he could have played 45 minutes and it not been a problem why the changes weren't made 
slightly earlier. I think, but I do, I do sympathise with Ollie in that he's got this constant balancing act of players he's got and managing their minutes and their their energy levels, and he doesn't pick Matic too much because he clearly doesn't work in the system that um, that we use, and so well, or indeed any system that we try and use. Well, no, no, not lately, no. But it's almost it's almost a thing of I I I just want to drain Matic's battery a bit longer rather than somebody else's. But yeah, I mean, in in the context of that one single game, and if we assume those players were all fully fit and available to to come on and play, I think with hindsight he should have reacted a little bit sooner. But having said that, even after we made the changes, we didn't get any better, did we? Well, I mean, we got a little bit of pressure on. You know, I, I think the it does speak a lot of how close we actually came to really troubling Leicester that our best option or our best opportunity was that long-range free kick from Bruno that was going top bins, but Schmeichel was more than equal to in the closing stages. Mm. You know, and by that point, we'd already gone 3-1 down. Now, another pretty simple goal. You know, it's it's McTominay. And the, the, again, the only thing I can feel hard done by when it comes to the second half is the fact that McTominay got booked for not fouling Jose Perez after he kicks McTominay's leg. It was a ridiculous decision yeah. by Andre Mariner. But... No complaints about the free kick conceded. Mark Albright inflicts it. McTominay should be doing one or two things. Making sure he gets his head on that ball or making sure Ian Acho is at least going to have a contested header. He misses the ball and Ian Acho's got a tap in at the far corner. You know, it, it, it's it's too easy. It's too easy and it's United at set pieces again. You know, the lack of organisation or the lapses of concentration are such a typical fixture of our game in these sort of situations in the tighter moments that it's just becoming pretty straightforward and expected at this stage you know and it's disappointing as well because what I was hoping to talk to you a little bit more was how Lindelof and Maguire at least looked a little bit more of a solid partnership with Henderson I don't necessarily think we got shown up too much in that respect today I think the problem was is they didn't get much protection from the midfield you know going 3-1 down at that stage what with what just over 10 minutes to go it didn't feel like we were going to get back into it but Given the levels that United have been playing at, or at least the amount of football they've been playing over the last couple of weeks, and as you mentioned there, United have played, what, three more games since we played City and Leicester have barely played in that period, apart from that one game against Sheffield United, having been knocked out by Slavia Prague. You saw a team who had a defined game plan that was playing to the strengths of the players that they had available and they were clearly motivated. Their pressing and their work off the ball was incessant. And there's a fantastic example of it in the second half. Aaron Wan-Bissaka has a throw-in on the halfway line. He's got Nemanja Matic around him. There's no movement. You know, Mason Greenwood has to come in from the right flank to try and get the ball and he's under increasing pressure, immediate pressure, as soon as that ball is thrown out. Leicester win it back instantly and Jamie Vardy goes through one-on-one eventually. Now he hits it wide. That was an indication of just the levels that the teams were playing at. Leicester were hungry. They were closing down well. They offered no space. United's press in the first half was half-hearted. We made so many mistakes on the ball due to lapses of concentration and we couldn't get much through widity or fluency going at any point in the game. And I think... You know, the disappointment comes from another opportunity, a trophy miss, given as a, as we mentioned, it's been four years since United last won anything. And I think, as I mentioned earlier on, the problem I think becomes if we don't get Europa League success over the season is that United are in real danger of turning into a team that can't get itself over the line. And that's a tough narrative to shift when you're Solskjaer and you're trying to get United competing at the top end of the football table, right? 
And in particular, when you look at the way we've gone out of competitions, you know, all right, the semi-final against City in the League Cup last season can be mitigated somewhat because they were clearly a lot better than we were. But we were poor in the game against Chelsea in the FA Cup last season. We threw away the opportunity to get to the Europa League final with an incredibly porous display against Sevilla in terms of the amount of chances that we missed. And the game against City this past season was, well, this past January was pretty limp. And... United do seem to get themselves up for the big occasions in the league a lot better than they do in the cup competitions. And I do think that's a big challenge for Solskjaer to overcome when it comes to him taking United onto the next level. Because as we said, it's going to affect bringing in players, the top level players that we really need to try and make this team into title challenges. Because they're going to look at us and think, well, this team are a bunch of bottlers. And there's not necessarily a lot of evidence to dispute that at the minute, really, is there? See, this is something I used to think, and then I've, I've, I've concluded it's probably not the case. I think most top-level or high-level footballers will look at playing in the Champions League as the, as the main thing. And then they look at the size of the club and, and obviously wage and whatever else. We've signed good players when we've been a worse, far worse team in the last seven years. I think the, the, thing, the thing that will hold us back from signing decent players would be not, check, not qualifying for the Champions League, which is what I think is absolutely essential. We got it two years in a row, and the and the consequence of COVID. Clearly, not winning trophies. The longer it goes, the more of a, an issue it becomes. I, I definitely think that, like like as you said, but there, there seems to be different. I think I think Solskjaer's been a bit unfortunate in some ways. I think I think the the, the Chelsea game was a, was an aberration from everybody, from him, from the players. It was a really really poor effort. Really, just it was just a mess, wasn't it? Mm. You know, losing losing to City is losing to City you know they're, they're, they're ace um, we've beaten them far more, more times than we could possibly have hoped for in the last year or so anyway and I, I think Ollie's I think in, in mitigation Ollie's just been really unfortunate with some of the, the draws as well you know we've, we've had really intense ties throughout a lot of the rounds of, of the competitions we've played in as well we've almost been the victim of going too far in too many competitions you know if we'd have gone, gone out of the Europa League perhaps in the last the previous round or the, the League Cup a lot earlier or whatever else, but we just got into the FA Cup semi-final, then then people perhaps wouldn't be as unhappy as they are. Whereas mm. we're still in the we're still in the Europa League. And before the Europa League games against Milan and, and when we drew the first leg one all, people were fuming about that. And I think we're almost Oli is almost a victim both of the fact that we've gone deep in every competition we've played and also the fact that we've had a sequence of really unfortunate draws which have meant that we've had to put out very strong teams in every every game we've played, and that 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 applies in the FA Cup, you know, as well. We drawing Liverpool and West Ham, and then Leicester away. Um, you know, we really haven't got a break in that in that regard. He's had to he's had to go pretty strong, or as strong as he can in in all of those those ties. Definitely, the longer it goes without us winning a trophy, the, the more of a problem it becomes. But I think there is some mitigation for Ollie at this point. What I would say is that. If he doesn't win a trophy this season, I think getting in the champ back in the Champions League is important, and I think we will do that. But then next season, without the the nature of the season we've got this year, with with so many games so quickly, in such a short space of time, there's far less of an excuse, and he has to be look. He has to be expected to kick on, and both do better in, or get closer again in the league, and really, mm. really, ideally, win a cup. 
Yeah, I mean, I, d- I don't think Oli can last another full season if he gets nothing in 12 months' time, surely. You know, I-, I think that you can only build for so much before you're basically setting yourself up for a replacement. And it will, you have be, to keep it will come down. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I do think you will. We agree that we've seen some improvement from last season, and the mitigation, yeah, as yeah. we've spoken about so much over the course of this season, is COVID in terms of how it's affected players mentally, in terms of how it's affected the schedule, in terms of the fact, as you mentioned there, we've been deep in almost every single cup competition that has affected our schedule. Now, when it comes to next season, obviously you've got the added problem of the Euros happening again in a couple of months. And it's, you even look at the fact that I'm relieved for some of our players that they get the chance to have some time off over the next couple of weeks now with the international break. And then I looked at the schedule. Every team is playing like three games, two World Cup qualifiers as a friendly. So basically, only apart from Rashford, I think, is anyone actually going to get any time off? Any important player will get some decent time off, which is insane considering the football that we've been seeing over the last couple of weeks. Because there's just so much burnout and the quality of the football is really taking a massive hammering as a result of that. No, we've got a few, if you think about it. I mean, I I did briefly think about this earlier. We have got quite a few players who won't be be playing. I don't think the South Americans are playing because they can't travel. Um, I may be wrong in that, but I'm pretty, I'm fairly sure. They certainly can't go back to South America anyway and come back without having to quarantine. But you've got guys like Aaron Wan-Bissaka who's been flogged absolutely flogged at right back who's going to have oh two. he looks zonked today yeah. absolutely knackered yeah he's going to have two he's going to have two weeks off and that's that's a good thing even though he's not it's not ideal you know fred and matic won't be playing you know for two weeks as well and i think for a lot of fred's problems today apart from being recurring fred problems but also i think he just looked didn't look sharp he just didn't look he looked tired and and he wasn't wasn't on it and i think that will that will be good for him and I, We've got a few, like you say, Rashford may go away, he may not, but he's not going to play three games. He'll get a bit of a rest. Anthony Martial, I don't think he's in the French squad, is he, or is he? But he doesn't. He is. He is, but he doesn't start anyway, does he? So he's not going to be playing those three games. I think we've got, we have got quite a few, a few players who who are going to get a bit of a rest, and that might just help us when we when we get started again, kind of navigate the two competitions we're still in, because you know we're still looking at another five games to win the the Europa League. We sure are. I mean, I guess the one positive that comes out of being out of the FA Cup is that we wouldn't have to reschedule another league game if we were playing the semi-final against Southampton. Now, yes, I agree fully. That is a rubbish excuse, and that's not necessarily a good thing anyway because you'd much rather be playing at Wembley with a chance of going through to a final against either City or Chelsea at the end of May. But in terms of our schedule, considering that we are clearly now going to be prioritising the Europa League in terms of... I mean, I guess we've had to now, really, haven't we, given the teams that we played, and maybe we can make some changes for Granada. But once we get back, once we come back into league action on Sunday the 4th, straight back on it, isn't it? It's Brighton on that evening, and then it's Granada away, then it's Spurs away, then it's Granada at home, and then Burnley at home. And it'll be pretty much like that if we get through to the semi-finals at the end of the season. And... I guess one less game in that schedule, considering how crammed it is, is not necessarily a bad thing. If you give me a choice out of the two competitions, which one I'd rather gone out of this week, I would have probably chosen the Europa League just because less games. And this squad, as we've said, just looks absolutely knackered. But obviously we don't really get to choose on those sort of things. Anyway, uh, I guess that's pretty much it, Rich, in terms of this week. I mean, you know, it's never fun to lose a game like the way we did today, especially not when so many of our consistent errors were on show and our problems and our shortcomings were there for all to see. I mean, 
now we've got this two-week break, the first time we've had off since, what, December or so. How do you feel United should be shaping up to return to action back on the 4th of April? I think the good thing is that we looked forward to the, the fixtures that we had a few weeks ago before the Chelsea game, perhaps even a few weeks before that. We've had a really, really demanding period of fixtures in terms of the quality of the opposition, in terms of a lot of them being away from home. And at least when we start again, whilst the the the, the speed with, with which the fixtures come will be as fast as it has been, we, it does look at least look softer in terms of the opposition we've got and in terms of having more more games at home in the in the, the immediate weeks after after the restart um so i would hope that united can get some of the players sort of revitalized and we should be able to to rotate more in those games than we have been able to in the last four to six weeks and i hope i'd hope that that, that we could perhaps get a little bit of a head of steam up again once once all those you know we need to get rashford back as well and hopefully he doesn't play for England to be honest um, I'm cautiously optimistic that uh, that we'll be alright I think I think we'll get through against Granada and I think we've got ourselves into a good position in the Premier League now it would take I think quite a collapse and a run of form from at least oh, one God. Now I, I, I want to stop you there uh, watching Wales in the uh, Six Nations last night Brian Moore, that the English commentator, class, yes. was speaking to uh, his two Welsh co-commentators and saying, well, look, you're 10 points up. There's about 20 minutes left. You're the favourites. And I don't know if you bother watching the rugby, most of you lot. But yeah, we lost that game. So I'm going to stop you there before you make anything else worse because I've had a shit weekend when it comes to supporting teams. <laughs> Man, I don't, I don't believe in tempting fate. You know, I think it, what, what happens happens because of lots of factors that aren't made up by me saying things on a podcast. Well... I think they are, so shut up. Anyway, uh, one good thing to look forward to, at least in the interim, is Manchester United women's first ever game at Old Trafford. So that will be happening on this coming Saturday uh, against West Ham. Now, despite the disappointment of this game against Arsenal last weekend, that's a massive occasion and a just reward for the work that United women have been doing. And I know, I hope I haven't sounded too downcast on them over the last couple of weeks. It's just because expectations were so raised given how great things were looking coming into the second half of the season. But it will be a great occasion. Again, it's just such a shame that the fans won't be there to welcome them in and you know, really give Old Trafford a big atmosphere. And I hope we can see a bit more of this coming up over the next year or so, or the coming seasons anyway. Uh, Rich, let's leave it there. Anything extra to add? No, nothing to add. Oh, oh, all I would say is just on your point on the uh, the women there as well. I think it's been exactly the same as the um, as the men's first team in that that, that we, there were periods where things looked very, 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 very rosy indeed, and then the fact that things haven't continued quite in that vein, but have sort of reverted to a more realistic state of affairs, is harder to take than if we'd never been in that position in the first place. And perhaps, perhaps what we're seeing now is just about where those, where these teams should be at, at this point in their evolution. So mm. I, I, I've tried. I'm not too dead downcast about the first team, and I wouldn't get too downcast about the the women's team either for that same reason. I mean, this has been very pragmatic from you so far, and very diplomatic. I feel like our roles are reversed know, for the right? first time this season. I'm not necessarily sure how to take that. Just accept it. Just just take it as, as something which may pass, but um, but it's here for now. Yeah, okay. We'll deal with that for the time being. All right, everyone. Thanks very much for joining us this week and indeed every week. And don't forget, in the meantime, you can get us all over Twitter. Should you so wish, you can get Rich at Rich Red Voices, me at you and like this, and the pod at Red Voices MUFC. The podcast itself can be found on Stitcher, 
uh, the Apple Podcast app, Spotify, SoundCloud, basically anywhere you can get your podcasts. If you are using an app that allows for subscription or ratings or reviews, please, anything you can provide will be hugely grateful. And in the meantime, have yourselves a fantastic couple of weeks off. We'll be back ooh, probably after the game against Brighton. Take care of yourselves. Lots of love. Bye.